So again, we're continuing our series in the book of Psalms, and uh, I love the book of Psalms. Um, hopefully, if you don't now, by the end of this series this summer, uh, you will. It is a wonderful book. I'm extremely useful. I'm extremely varied, as we'll see today. So Psalm 42, uh, this is the word of the Lord. Let's give it our full attention. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizer, deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to God of my life, to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly, a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you've ministered to me through this very passage. And please help me get out of the way that I would be able to be myself and speak from my heart by your Holy Spirit. I pray for them that they would be able to listen by your Holy Spirit. Clear their heads of distractions. Give them soft hearts. I ask this for your glory, Lord and none other. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. This is a great psalm. But I want to begin with this question, are you ever sad? I see a few head nods, a few honest people. Are you ever depressed? Are you ever discouraged? Do you ever have suicidal thoughts? Today, our psalm wonderfully addresses all of these. But even before we get any further, I want to um, be somewhat vulnerable with you and, uh, and share for a moment. Um, so um, over in recent weeks, um, I've been extremely sad, I will admit. And um, we've been going through some extremely hard times and I've felt completely empty and realized I had no strength of my own. And I realized that if I was going to do anything, it, would, it was going to have to be by God's strength. It was going to have to give me something where I could do nothing. And I'll even admit publicly that I cried a number of times or was on the verge of tears. And that's not normal for me. So why am I telling you this? Because you can relate. If you're honest, you can relate. We all have times like that. Whether it's caused by health struggles or work struggles or relational struggles or financial struggles, the list could go on and on, right? There's infinite number of struggles that 
can leave us very sad, very empty. Look at page seven, if you would. We're answering the question this morning, what do we do when we're sad? Well, that's a practical question, isn't it? There's three answers from this passage. First, bring our raw emotions to God. Second, speak truth to ourselves. And finally, remember Christ. Remember Christ. All right, well, let's begin with that first one. Bring our raw emotions to God. Look at the very first line of the chapter. It says, as a deer pants for flowing streams. Now, you've probably seen a pretty painting with this verse under it of a nice deer drinking out of a stream. I don't really think that's at all what's being pictured here. Because if you notice, what did it say? The deer is not lapping up the water. He says, he's panting. Um, kids, I don't know if you can relate to this. If you've ever been to soccer practice or a game in hot South Carolina heat and you forgot your water bottle, how do you feel? Just a drip of water would be so nice, right? This is how this deer feels. He's panting. He's desperate. He's dehydrated and he's looking for water. Now, what is, he, what is the psalmist using this? What's the picture? He's not looking for water. Look at the second line. So pants my soul for you. What he wanted was God. He wanted the presence of God. Verse two, my soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? That's his cry. He wants the presence of God. He is thirsty for God. I don't know about you, but for me, in the darkest times, the only thing that I really want is God. Nothing else will satisfy. Many try, right? There's many people turn to all kinds of things, but nothing will satisfy like God will. Now, it's possible you can't relate with this. You say, I don't, I don't know the, and look, he not only wants to just be with God, look, keep going. These things, uh, let's see, yeah, verse four. Okay, there's a note for this to make sense. Um, uh, let me read four and then I'll explain it. Uh, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng, the congregation, and lead them in procession to the house of God. This is verse four I'm reading. With glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. So if you look at the very top of the chapter, right before verse one, you see a note. And many of the Psalms it has this. Who's it says it's by? It says a maskal or some kind of musical thing of the sons of Korah. Well, the sons of Korah are a clan within the Levites. The Levites take care of the temple. This clan is responsible for the music ministry. So Josh, you can relate with this or Anna Lee. And so their job was to lead everybody to sing before the Lord. He just, he longs for that. And we'll come back to that theme in a little bit. Do you long to worship God with other believers? There are many reasons that we might not feel this way. One is, is that we try to satiate or satisfy with all kinds of other things. Entertainment, um, some will go to the bottle, right? So alcohol can kind of deaden emotions. A career, relationships, none of those things are bad, right? But if we excessively lean on them, then it, can, it kind of dulls the pain, but it doesn't really take it away. I love C.S. Lewis once observed that the problem is not that we um, desire too much or have too high expectations. It's actually that we settle for far too little. We settle for far too little. I'm Augustine, I'm much older than C.S. Lewis from early church father, said, you, God, have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in thee. Isn't that true? You've heard the, it sounds cliche, but we all have a God-shaped hole inside of us. So there's some truth to that and nothing else will satisfy, though we try. 
nothing else will satisfy. Look at verse 3. Look how, how sad is the psalmist. He says, my tears have been my food night and day. Now, I've, I've been sad recently, but not like this. I can't say this, that, that my tears were my food. He either forgot to eat or he's saying, that's all I had was tears. There's so many of them. It was like my meals, day and night. He's extremely sad. He's extremely sad. Tears have been his food. You know, one Bible scholar says that there is no emotion that you can have that you can't find in the Psalms. Any emotion that any human could ever have is somewhere in the Psalms. I tend to agree with him. That's a really big statement, isn't it? The Psalms is given to us as an unbelievably helpful guide to know what to do, right? So, um, so you go to the doctor and you say, I have these symptoms and he gives you a prescription, right? So the Psalms are like that. There is a Psalm for every ailment, right? There, and so it is, they're super helpful. This obviously is for great times of great sadness. Very, very helpful. I want to introduce you to a paradigm. Actually, one of my mentors, happens to be Brandon's father, introduced me to this. Very, very helpful. Um, follow close because it's, it's a little bit confusing. Okay, there's normal responses to abnormal situations. Um, kids, you know this. Um, if you, uh, say you broke a bone and you're screaming and crying, is that a normal response when you break a bone? Yes. Very normal. Breaking a bone is an abnormal situation and that's a normal response to it. But the, the flip also happens. You have very normal situations and we have abnormal responses, right? So when you don't get the toy and you're also screaming and throwing a fit, that's kind of a normal situation and your response is abnormal. Do you follow? Hopefully adults, you follow too, because we do this. I have done both. I will admit that sometimes I'm in a very abnormal situation and I have a very normal response. I am weeping. It's very sad. Other times, it, I'm completely blowing it out of proportion, right? Don't we all do this? Under, if you ask yourself that paradigm, am I in a normal situation? Because it just helps. If you realize, oh no, this is actually a normal response. This is a, a very strange situation. Very helpful paradigm. So both are true. Look at this. This is really cool. Um, look at verse seven and nine. I, I want to show you something. All right, look at verse seven. He says, deep calls to deep. At the roar of the waterfalls, okay, so we obviously have loud water, at your breakers and the waves have gone over me. Water is going over his head. Now, if you go back, the previous verse, verse five, or six, he says, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from where? From the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Mizer. So Mizer is the last hill that you can see the Temple Mount from. Okay, so this maybe was sung by, if you were of the sons of Korah, and you're now in exile, headed out with the Babylonians, and you're looking back at the temple, and it's your last sight of it. Right? And you're saying, I'm not going to lead the people into worship anymore. Very possible. Also in this, in this region, um, the headwaters of the Jordan, um, they echo in the canyons. So you can see the picture of that. Deep calls to deep. So the, the waters are making this loud sound, but what does he say? He says, the water is coming over my head, your breakers and your waves. He's drowning. He's saying, God, you are drowning me. Okay, hold that thought for a second. Look at verse nine. He says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Now, let me ask you this question. Are those factually true statements or false statements? Is God drowning him and has God forgotten him? Correct. I see some head nods, no. No. God can't forget you, and God is not drowning you. Now, why in the world would the psalmist say this? This is scripture, is it not? He is saying factually false statements. 
Why is he saying them? Because it is how he feels. Because it is how he feels. Those are his real emotions. In my car, you all have dashboard lights. I have this little light that's always lit up that says my tire pressure is low. Okay? But my tire pressure is fine. Now, I want to, I, I use analogies of dashboards a lot, but I think it's very helpful. So it is a factual reality that there is a light on in my dashboard. There's a little light bulb that's on. It is real. It is a substance on, right? But it, is, it has absolutely no connection to reality. My tires are fine. Okay, so we have two things. Your feelings and reality don't have to be connected, but your feelings are a reality. Your feelings are a reality. You feel anxious. It might not be connected to reality, but your feeling is something. And so what this is saying, as this is the first point, bring that to God. Bring your raw, even if it's false statements, bring it to God. Do you see the psalmist doing that? You see this, if you start paying attention, you see this all through scripture. Let me just give you some examples. Both Job and Jeremiah told God that he wished that they had never been born. Elijah said to God in 1 Kings 19, Oh God, take my life away. Jonah said in Jonah 4, Therefore, Lord, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Factually true or false statement? Absolutely false. It was not better that he die. He was having a really bad day. But he was telling God how he felt. It is legitimate to come to God with our very raw feelings and be brutally honest, even when they're false. That's where our psalm begins. This is a very important reality. Another dichotomy, um, kids, here's some new vocabulary for you. Um, the first you might know, transcendent. So transcendent means it transcends. So God is transcendent. He is above. He is greater. He's not like us. Okay, so God is transcendent. But he's also eminent. That's a word you might not know. It means near. The person sitting beside you right now is eminent. They're right beside you. They're physically near you. God is also near you. He's both transcendent and near you. Just a helpful paradigm to know. So in this, we sense God's nearness. Because he is near to you, because he's eminent, you can share, you can pour out your heart. He cares and he's close. Um, at this point, I want to pause and speak actually to men and women. I'm, I know I'm at risk of making generalization, and so you can switch it if actually the opposite applies to you. But these are some general temptations we face. Um, the temptation for denial and to be deceived. Men, let me start with you. All right? It is the temptation to be in denial. Right? It is not very manly to cry in America. Right? And so we are tempted to be in denial. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Right? And so then we can also, you can also mask sadness and hurt with anger. You feel much more powerful when you're angry. Much anger is actually rooted in hurt. Right? If, you, if, you are, if you're honest with yourself, why am I angry? Well, it's actually because someone hurt me. Well, that doesn't feel very powerful to say I'm hurt. Okay, so that's a place to start. I know this is not American value, but it is Christ-like. So we are not like Christ when we are unwilling to show our emotions. Did Christ show his emotions? Yes. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept at Lazarus' tomb. His friend had died, and he cried. Take that to heart, men. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, stay with me, his three closest friends. I am so weak. I need you to stay with me. Stay awake with me. He was crushing the pressure so much so that he's bleeding out of his pores because of the stress. It is Christ-like to acknowledge that we actually have hurt. 
You are a bigger man if you can. Okay, ladies, and of course, again, you might make the opposite error, but ladies, there's also the temptation to be deceived. It is to say that the dashboard lights are reality. Okay, so yes, there's a reality to emotions, but they aren't necessarily connected to reality. And so if you, if you have two categories, how I feel, this is really how I feel, but I, I want to examine whether it's actually connected to reality. Okay, so that's really important to understand dashboard lights are not actually what's going on under the hood. And so to be able to say, do not be deceived, this is going to take us to our second point. Because it's not enough just to tell God how I feel. You got to start there, but we can't stop there. So secondly, speak truth to ourselves. Speak truth to ourselves. Look at verse five. I want to give you kind of the structure. You guys are familiar. Many times we sing songs and we have the chorus and verses, right? So we sing verse one, the chorus, verse two, the chorus, and so forth. Okay, look at the chapter. Verse five, or one through four is basically verse one. If this was a song, verse five is the chorus. Then you see it goes down, and then verse 11 is the same as 5. So there's the chorus again. Um, Psalm 43 was likely, originally, this was one psalm. But for the sake of time, I'm not preaching both. Um, You can later read it. But look at the very last verse of 43. If you have your Bible open, it's again the chorus. It's that exact same verse, um, that same line. So we're going to look at that now. Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? What's the psalmist doing? He's questioning himself. He is both the speaker and the audience, right? Oh, my soul, why? What's going on? Man, what's going on? What's your deal? Isn't he? He's questioning himself, saying, what's going on? I'll, I'll also acknowledge I really don't like journaling. I'm not a big fan of writing stuff down. But this is about the only time I'll get myself to do it. And is when I'm really sad and I'm really broken, I'll, I'll write like a letter to God because it just helps me process what's going on. And so this is what the psalmist is doing. He's saying, what is going on? What in my heart, you may be actually surprised to realize you actually don't know often. And it takes a while to figure out, like, I know I'm mad, I know I'm sad, I know I'm not happy, but why? What's at the root of that? And if you take time and you slow down, you can figure some stuff out. Very important there to question ourselves. Okay, but he goes on. And then now he really gets the speaking part. He says, hope in God. That's a command, isn't it? Hey, self, here's what I want you to do. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Hope in God. The the reality is you already do this. You already tell yourself what to do. You know what? That extra handful of M&Ms, that's not such, you should, you deserve this. Go get that. Right? We tell ourselves stuff to do all the time. We don't realize we already have a narrative. You already speak to yourself you already listen to yourself. You command yourself. We just want to do that fruitfully, hopefully. And that's what you see here. He says, hope in God. But as you're speaking to yourself, many people say really foolish things like this. You can do it. Believe in yourself. If you put your mind to it, anything is possible. You've probably heard all those lines. Don't say that to yourself. Because what are you going to do when you fail? Like when you, when you fail yourself and then, well, I guess I was wrong. I guess I... If I put my mind to it, maybe I can't do it, right? So put your hope in, what does the verse say? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. You need something stronger and more reliable than yourself. I do, and so do you. Hope in God. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
The alternative to listening to yourself is listening to Scripture. Hebrews 4.12, a verse probably familiar to many of you. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Do you believe that? I know you believe it in theory. Do you believe it in practice? The way you'll know if you believe it in practice is when you're hurting, where do you go? Do you open up a good book, turn on a show, grab a drink? What do you turn to when you're hurting? That's how you'll know. But it is. It is, and your fickle heart needs it. My fickle heart needs it. So as we've already said, when you're sad, remember God is eminent. What does eminent mean? Kids, what does eminent mean? Say it. Close, yes. I don't know if that was a kid or not, but (laughs) yes. It means close. God is close to you, just like your mom right now is close to you. Okay, but God is also transcendent. Means he's actually not stuck right where we are. He actually understands everything. And so we reach out to God and say, God, help me think right. Help me think right. Charles Spurgeon, an old preacher from hundreds of years ago, said, His faith reasons with his fears. His hope argues with his sorrows. He said dynamic. He's telling himself hope. He's both sad and he's saying hope. Look at verse 8. He says, By day the Lord. It's in all caps. It means Yahweh, the personal name of God. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. Do you know that word? It's one of the most precious in Scripture. Steadfast love. It means he has bound himself to us in a covenant. I have made a covenant with my wife. I'll keep it the rest of my life. And then see trust in that. But something way more trustworthy than any covenant a man can make with a woman, the God that God has made with you, he will never forsake you. He'll never leave you. He said his steadfast love. Okay, so certainly in review, what do we got so far before we move to the third point? Bring your raw emotions to God, but then also speak truth to yourself. Don't stop there. Speak truth from Scripture. Trying to figure out what is reality, not just how I feel about it. But is there any advantage Right, this is, all of what I said so far is true if this was 2,500 years ago. But it's not 2,500 years ago. Does it make any difference that we're this side of the cross? That's our third point. It should. It's remember Christ is our third point. I mean, do, do you like I ever struggle to believe in your heart what you know in your head? I do. Is there anything in addition to Scripture? I know it sounds strange to say. Is there anything in addition to Scripture that you can lean on to have confidence that it's true? You kids, you all have history books, don't you? And those are events that happen throughout history. There's an event that happened 2,000 years ago that's a historical event, just like Abraham Lincoln and all the rest in that book, is Christ. He is a real man who really came and really died. What difference does this make? Well, think about that line. Look back at verse 7. Oh, no, 9. 9, he said, you have forgotten me. When you're tempted to think that God has forgotten you, the reality is that he has only forgotten one person. There's only one person he's ever forsaken. Ever. It's Christ. Because when Christ on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The emotion and reality for once were the only time any any human has ever said that and is actually factual. God had actually forsaken him. And because of that, he cannot forsake you. I want to slow down for just a second because this is really, really important. 
The reason that is, I just want to explain the situation there. So you remember, if you've been here a little while, we studied the Ten Commandments. And in it, we found out that basically we broke all of them. If you get to the heart of each one of them, you realize you've broken all of them, right? That's my experience. Hope it was yours. Okay, so there's a big problem. You really do deserve to be forsaken by God. And that's part of the reason we are tempted to believe that, because you know you're a sinner. You know you're broken. But when Jesus came, he had no, no sin at all. He was perfect. When he went to the cross, we say this in the Connect class, he actually went and paid for specific sins. Whose specific sins? Mine and yours and every believer. He paid for our sins on the cross. That's why God forsook him. That's why God forgot him and turned his back on him. And so then that gives you confidence. You say, well, no, that's actually, that's the way I feel, but it's not real because Jesus was forsaken. So you cannot forsake me. God cannot forsake you because he forsook Jesus. Jesus is what gives such weight to this. I mean, look at that verse again. Verse 9. I want to bring it into modern into a modern situation. That when it says hope in, you know, I'm sorry. This is actually verse five. Look at verse five. Hope in God, for you shall again praise him. He is your salvation in Christ. He is your God in Christ. Christ substantiated every promise of Scripture. Romans 5:8 says, God showed us his love. Or he demonstrated his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8 says, He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also graciously give us all things? You know because he gave Christ for you that he, he will give you everything else you need. You should lean on that reality. That history fact is one that you can base your life on. It is so helpful. It is what I rest on in hard times. I hope you do. Yeah, we, we need to allow the psalmist to lead us by the hand in how to respond when we're sad. You know, as we close this morning, I want to share personally again. What's interesting was a couple of weeks ago, I was in Sunday school, and uh, Brad Mole was doing a great job teaching, and he taught on this psalm, Psalm uh, 42 and 43. And I had not thought of it in a long time. I said, this is really good. And I said, I had made a mental note, I should use this more. And so I did. That in very, very sad times, through tears, I read through this and it ministered to my soul. And then I discovered this past week, I'm preaching on it, which I was very thankful because I want to bring it to you and I want it to be a ministry to you as it has been to me. Some of you right now, I imagine, are in very hard times. And I don't know who you are, but you do. Please make use of this. Make use, even include Psalm 43. Read through this. Talk, listen to yourself and talk to yourself. Ask yourself questions and bring your emotions to God and let him speak truth to you. Now, some of you are not in hard times right now. And so I know it sounds cheesy, but maybe put this in like your Bible first aid kit. You all have those and it's when you skin your knee, you pull a Band-Aid out, right? So you should have passages that you hold on to. And when you get in dark times, you pull them back out. I have several. Romans 8 is a great one to be on the list. Psalm 139, great one to be on the list. I've now added this. It's really good. And so you need to have things like this because otherwise you're going to be left to your own thoughts or worldly wisdom to try to pull yourself out of it or some distraction until the feelings go away. God's word, particularly the Psalms, is intended 
to minister deeply to our hearts in deep pain. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Father, for the Psalms. Lord, thank you for this psalm. Lord, I pray that you would use your word in our lives. And I pray that many would make good use of this psalm. Some need this this afternoon. And some will need this next year. But Lord, I know they'll all need it at some point. So Lord, I pray that when we're sad, when we're depressed, and even the point of suicidal thoughts, Lord, I pray that people would turn to your word And I pray they would turn to each other. We are a body. Lord, I pray that we'd act like a body. I pray that people would lean on each other. They may lead each other by the hand to your word to then be led by the hand to Christ. Lord, please help us be a church that can be a church that's a safe place to be sat in. A church that can be a safe place to walk through life together in. Thank you that you've given us your word because you are eminent. Even as we speak now, you're closer than any other human to us right now. But Lord, thank you that you are not only eminent, but you're transcendent. That you are higher and greater and not stuck in our problems, in our mindset. That you can speak truth into our fickle minds. Lord, I pray that you would for your glory. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ.